Hey, you remind me of someone. Has anyone ever said that to you? Or they'll say, hey, who is it that you remind me of? I've had people tell me that from time to time. I've had people say, you remind me of someone, and then I find out who they remind me of, and it's not very flattering. (laughs) Um, One of Anna's volleyball friends, when uh, we first started uh, being around her, um, she started calling me Alvin, and I was like, why are you calling me that? And she said, well, you remind me of one of the characters on Alvin and the Chipmunks, so... (laughs) I don't know. One of the greatest compliments you could ever receive, though, is somebody telling you, you remind me of Jesus. Wouldn't that be great to hear that? Not because you have a beard and sandals and a robe and a walking stick, but that you have a personality that compels them to notice Who is in you? According to the Apostle Peter, one of the best ways to resemble Jesus is through submission. One of the best ways to hear, you remind me of Jesus, is to be a person that understands God's call to submit. Submission is a word we've been talking about over the last few weeks and in several contexts. We've been talking about how we are to submit to the governing authorities and to the institutions that God has placed over us. And last week we were called to submit to those who are our masters. And we talked about that relationship between the employer-employee relationship and, and what that means. And in each of those calls, we were reminded that submission is often Uh, affirmed to us in difficulty, right? Because in our minds, it's easy to submit to those who are worthy to be submitted to. But in these contexts, what Peter is saying to these believers that are strangers and aliens is life is difficult. You're going to be persecuted. It's very hard. And God is, yes, calling you to submit. And it just seems like, well, God, why would you call me to such a difficult task? And what we've been seeing is that he calls us to that difficult task because life is not all about here and now. That God is using those seasons and situations to prepare us for something far greater. That he uses every moment of our lives, even the difficult ones, even when it's challenging to submit, even when it feels like we are being crushed on every side, right? But when we believe in him, he uses those moments to conform us into the image of his son. And yet we're called to submission. There are just certain words that are hard to understand or hard to grasp. They're harsh when you hear them. They sort of grate on you like foreclosure. That's one of those words. Or you're fired. Or inoperable. Submission is hard because it naturally grates against our idea of freedom. We think if we are free, it means that we don't have to submit to anyone. 
And what Peter has been telling us is because you are free, as we read in verse 16, because you are free, you were to never use that freedom in a way that would cover up something evil. That we are free in God's grace to submit. And so after two examples of conduct, we now hit the motivation for why we are to submit. The motivation, the meat and the sandwiches we've been talking about. So we, we, we focused on the first, the top of the bread, right? That part of the sandwich. And now we're looking at the meat of the sandwich. We, we submit because we have a Savior who submitted. We submit because we have a Savior who submitted. Uh, and I love this about God's word. And we, we've talked about this from different angles at different times in different moments in, in studying the word of God. God doesn't ask us to do impossible things. He invites us to do things that he's already done himself. Like if you might say, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Consider the example of Jesus. He took the first steps in showing us of what it means to do the things that he's calling us to do. And what that tells me is that when I am called to submit, anytime I'm up against the wall, when, it's, when I'm trying to figure out, what do I do? How do I do this? This doesn't seem right. All those questions, right? We try to excuse ourselves from submitting to whatever impossible situation is in front of us. We consider Jesus. And I can always go to the scriptures and say, okay, Jesus, what did you do in these situations? And it's all right there for us. And all we need to do is open up the word of God and lean in a little bit and hear how Jesus lived his life. Because submission, in the examples that Peter gives, will often lead to suffering. It'll often lead to suffering at the hands of institutions and people that aren't doing a very good job doing the things that we know should be done. Or in the context of an employer-employee relationship, and as Peter talked about in, in this slave or servant and master relationship, sometimes we suffer for doing what is right. But as we learned last week, we find favor or grace when we suffer unjustly as we keep doing the right thing. Remember verse 20. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Listen, there's no benefit for suffering for doing the wrong thing. There's no benefit. There's no win in that. And I would say that a lot of the troubles that we face in life isn't because we are suffering for doing the right thing. But I would say that we face a lot of trouble in our life in our own doing. Because we're stubborn. We're obstinate. We're stiff-necked. We're hard-hearted. We hold on to the flesh. We love our comfort. We hold on to the things so desperately that we think will keep our lives together. And God is saying, no, I want you to trust me even when it's hard. 
But if you suffer for doing the right thing, there is favor, there is grace that God supplies. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance allows us to run the race of life as pilgrims who are passing through. So Peter writes in verses 21 through 25, the example of who we're to follow. Let me read to you about what we learn about Jesus. Hear the word of God. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Amen? Amen. Verse 21, Peter says, For you have been called for this purpose. And if we're honest, we don't like this verse. We spend the bulk of our time finding ways to do the opposite of what Peter is saying. But it's clear, you've been called for the purpose. Well, what's the purpose? Well, that word for connects with what Peter just said in the previous verse. That you suffer for doing what is right. How many of you run towards opportunity to suffer in this life? Right. We spend our lives doing the complete opposite. And especially in a culture in a world where everything seems to be advancing, right? We try to find tools and ways that we can make life easier. But it's often just a charade. It's often just smoke and mirrors. Right? The things that are easier are not the things that are beneficial for us. We need to settle it right now. That God's purpose for our lives is not to make life great and easy for us here. That's not God's purpose. Now, that's a message that's being preached by some in the church. But that's not God's great purpose for our lives. That it would be great and wonderful here. That it would be our best life now. That is not God's agenda for us here. God's purpose for our lives is to use all the terrible, all the terribleness that comes at us as we live in a fallen world that is full of sin and use it for our good and his glory. God's purpose is to use the moments in life where it weighs down and crushes us, but we're crushed and not destroyed. And God is able to use those moments to make us more like Jesus. Second Timothy 3.12 clearly says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if your desire is to honor Christ and be more like Him, you're going to be persecuted. It, it's it's going to happen. You don't need to look for it. It will happen. Right. It doesn't say uh, Paul doesn't say to Timothy that it's a question of maybe he says you will be persecuted. 
And, and that message of persecution and difficulty does fly in the face of all the convenience and all the ease that we seek in this life. And this is why it's so important for us to concentrate our hearts on the person of our Savior, to know what He went through as a model for what we are called to live out. And what's interesting to me is that this isn't a new phenomenon that man wants ease and comfort. Right? Peter wrote these words 2,000 years ago. And if I lived 2,000 years ago, I mean, there's no Wi-Fi 2,000 years ago. I don't know what I would do. Right? There's no temperature control 2,000 years ago. There's no all-wheel drive 2,000 years ago. Right? Like, we go through life thinking like we're entitled to these comfortable things. And it's always been the stir of the heart to be at rest in the things that we want around us. And what Peter is saying is the only way you're going to find rest for your heart is to rest in Jesus Christ. Because if you're focused on him and what he has accomplished, nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else can satisfy. So what does Peter write? Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Do you notice a repetition of a word in verse 21? For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. You, 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 you. Now, that's important. I think it's wonderful. And you might want to um, underline that. You might want to draw a heart around it. Guys, it's okay to draw a heart in your Bible. I mean, whatever you need to do to remind you of what God is calling you to. But there's something that you see, right? Christ also suffered for you. It's one little word, but it makes all the difference. It doesn't, Peter just doesn't say, since Christ also suffered, follow his example. He makes it very personal for his readers. Christ suffered for you, for us. Jesus suffered at the hands of sinners because of his righteous conduct. And if he suffered, we too can expect the same from those who do not know God. The servant is not greater than the master. Christ suffered. You will suffer. To this, you were called to endure or even to suffer unfair treatment. Simply because you and I follow a suffering savior. Remember that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. That's the only solo you're getting from this pulpit, right? You know the song, right? You know what the lyrics say in it. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Really? You've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. 
Because the last time I checked, Jesus has walked in some pretty terrible places. And his footsteps that he laid out for us were footsteps of suffering. Now, it's a great song, but in reality, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back is one that we need to consider more and more in our lives. Because we're following him. Peter says that Christ leaving us an example is inviting us to follow that example in life. And, and I love the, the phraseology of that, that phrase, leaving you an example, because in the Greek, it's the Greek word hupogramon. And, and that means nothing to you right now, but what it was, it was a word that was used um, to, to teach um, people how to trace something. Like 2,000 years ago, they had tracing paper, and they used it for to teach children how to write their letters in school. And they would take these thin, it, it was like this extremely thin uh, paper or papyrus that they would use and put it over something and, and trace over it. That's what hupogramos means, the word leaving you an example. And, and the teachers would invite the students to take their pen, right, and write over what was below it. And that's what Peter is saying, that our lives are to follow the example. Like we are the tracing paper that we put over Jesus and we are to trace our lives over the life of Christ as we live for him. Jesus Christ is the one by whom we trace the behavior of our life, whether good times or bad times. And so when you're living life and wanting to honor him with your life and you're up against it and you're like, what do I do? There should be no mystery or question. God, what is your will in this situation? Dig into the word of God and follow the example of Jesus. The text says that we are following his steps, literally footsteps. It's snowing outside. Well, not right now, but there's snow on the ground, right? And I remember when my kids were really little and we would go out and play in the snow, right? My footsteps are bigger than their footsteps. And so I would walk through the snow stomping along. And what did my kids usually do? They would follow in my footsteps because the snow was pushed down for them to follow. That's basically what Peter is saying here. Jesus walked. We walk in his footsteps, but those footsteps led to Calvary. Those footsteps led to Roman persecution, Jewish persecution. Those footsteps cost Jesus his life. And so, too, the Bible says all those who live godly in Christ will suffer. They will suffer persecution. The example of Christ is now supported by Scripture. And what I mean by that is that in verses 22 through 24, we see a prophetic example. We see Peter looking into the Old Testament and saying, what I'm telling you isn't brand new, but it was something and is something that God has already shown us and was saying, this is what I am leading to. 
And so in verses 22 through 24, whether specifically by a direct quote or by an inference, by alluding to it, he takes our thoughts to the prophet Isaiah. Specifically, Isaiah 53. Specifically, the chapter that we know as the chapter of the suffering servant. And what I've done for you, because it's such a... A beautiful, real picture of what Christ has done, right? You can't read Isaiah 53 without saying, oh my gosh, that is Jesus. And the irony is it was written 700 years before Jesus ever took a step on the earth. Like God gave such insight into the prophetic witness of of the word of God that he is saying to the people of Israel, when Isaiah is speaking these things, I'm sending a servant He is greater than all kings, and this is how he will live his life and he will suffer. So I would encourage you, take your bulletin home, read through those verses later. I would encourage you even more, open your Bible to Isaiah 53 and read those verses there. Um, But as a way of reminder of, uh, of thanksgiving to God for what Christ has done. Oh, we're going to have to stop here today. Because I'm teaching Sunday school and I can't be late. (laughs) So, let's pick up in verse 22 next week. And as we consider just even this call in verse 21... Remember, God's never going to invite you to do something that he didn't do first. He did the hard thing. And why is it hard? Because what he experienced is undeserved. Totally. The perfect son of God willingly left heaven to come to us. And while he could have snapped his fingers and made peace in all situations, he chose the path of suffering so that we could be healed. That's what Isaiah 53 is saying. That he chose the path of suffering for the betterment of someone else, us. And when we're going through life and we're tempted to find the easy way out, right? There's no easy button you can just hit. They don't exist. That when you have to go through that suffering, remember God's going to use it. He's with you in it. And he'll make you more like his son. That's a great promise that we need to hold on to. In church, it was for you. It was for us. Let's pray.